do a second uh, installment on the series Great Expectations because I believe that uh, more than any other time in history that we are on the precipice of a great move of God. I truly believe that. I believe that God is, is uh, ready to pour out his spirit anew and afresh. And he will pour his spirit out on, on the hungry saints of God. He wants to pour his spirit on the church of Jesus Christ. I believe he wants to pour his spirit out on Calvary Church. I do believe that. And I believe that God wants us to anticipate some wonderful things that God will, that he will spark in our spirits, in our minds. He will spark uh, a vision, a dream of what God is going to do. Somebody says, well, that's just somebody's imagination. Well, God gave us an imagination. Aren't you glad that he gave us the capacity to dream? He gave us the capacity to look beyond the status quo, to see beyond what is and see what could be if God showed up and did a fresh work. Would you agree with that? Amen. I mean, God is at work. God is working. Jesus said, my father is working. And uh, there's nothing that's ever been said in the word of God that ever denies that, that that ended sometime with the end of the apostles, of the apostolic church. When that first generation passed away, some people say that, well, that's when miracles stopped. Well, I'm telling you right now that you, if you are redeemed and bought with the blood of Christ, are a miracle. And I am a miracle. I'm a wonder. Some people are wondering, what are you? But I'm a child of God, and he's filled me with his spirit, and he's given me an anticipation, an expectation that is beyond the status quo. Somebody say amen. And I, I'm excited about it. And I think as each one of us, as a church and as individuals, as families, we press forward, not backwards. We press forward in our daily walk with God. And I think it's important, as the writer of Hebrews says, that we encourage one another and encourage ourselves in the Lord. Sometimes there's, we're discouraged, we get down, and it doesn't seem like anybody's around us to encourage us. But guess what? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit that resurrected Christ from the dead, dwells in your mortal bodies. And with the power of prayer and the power of crying out to God, you can encourage yourself in the Lord the same way King David did in the Old Testament. That when the chips were down and he was discouraged and all was lost, everything in the natural seemed like it was death everywhere around him, death and loss, where it was never going to change, that it's over. His own men talked about stoning him to death because they were upset because their wives and their children were carried off with marauders who raided the city and burned it. But there's hope. In the midst of darkness, there's hope. When things are the worst they can ever possibly seem to be, there's hope. Because Christ is in our future. And he is waiting for us to get excited about what he's going to do. Amen. Amen. Don't, don't hold on to yesterday, but press on. Because God has greater things ahead of us. And we need to be encouraged. We need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And we need to encourage others. As we see that day of the Lord coming. Not only his return, but the great revival that he promised he would send before he comes to retrieve his church and pour out his wrath and his judgment. We need to be a people in these last days, a people of faith. In the woke culture, woke theology, where uh, great names are crashing because they're buying into a woke theology that is not biblical. We need to be a people of faith. We need to stand strong in the word of the Lord. 
and have faith that not only looking back and thanking God for the work that he did in our lives and has done in our church and done in the church of Jesus Christ, uh, uh, universal, uh, but look forward to the work that he's going to do in our family and our church and looking forward with great anticipation, say anticipation, looking with anticipation to what God is up to in our midst in this day and what is in the future. I remember back in the... uh, probably about 1986, 87, somewhere around there, Donna and I had started a, a church, Living Springs Fellowship, in our, in our, uh, in our home, in our living room, and uh, we eventually moved to some rented facilities. And, uh, but I remember that time uh, working full-time, still going to Bible college, and I, Saturday evenings was usually a, <clears throat> a, a late night for me because of my work and because of my responsibilities with my family that I would stay up and finish my message and and, uh, uh, and, and I'd pray. And I was in the living room. Everybody's in bed. I don't know what time it was. It was probably 11.30 or midnight. And it's like kneeling at my sofa in our, li- in our living room, our little, little living room. It's like God just showed up. And suddenly, it was like the corner of our house. You can see the jagged pieces of, of wood and siding and everything in the roof. But it was like it cracked open. And I could see across the street, kitty-cornered from us, a house. And above that house, across the street from us, I saw an incredible move of God that was coming. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said that there will come a day when I will pour out my spirit anew and afresh uh, on all flesh, and I will do a new thing. And in that day when I do this, that there will be those who have been bound by habits, whether it's sexual uh, lust and habits, perversion, Uh, bound by alcohol or drugs, and I will pour my spirit in that day that they will be instantly, when they call on my name, instantly the bondage will break and they will be free. And he spoke many other things that that night, many of them uh, just in my heart, and I treasured those things in my heart, and I thought, Lord, you're going to do it today. I mean, tomorrow it's going to be in our Living Springs Church. Well, he didn't. Uh, You know, what is he saying? Did God speak? Yes, he did. But he was prophesying about the future. And I believe that that day is coming, that the Spirit of God is going to be poured out and people in bondage will be set free by the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. I have great expectations. You know, for some reason, uh, <clears throat> just the way God wired me, I'm optimistic about the future. Even in uh, economically troubling and challenging times, I'm optimistic that in God's economy, everything's just fine. Do you agree with that? You know, while the stock market is volatile, it's going up and down, people's hearts are failing them for fear, wars and rumors of war taking place, the Chinese balloon flying over intelligence, gathering intelligence over the United States, and our president finally decided maybe we should shoot it down, which I think was a good decision, should have been done when he first saw it. But it's time for the Spirit of God to waken up the hearts of his people. You know, we're not going to be a slumbering church but we're going to be wise, and our, our, our lamps need to be full of oil because God is going to pour His Spirit out. It's going to come like, a, like incredible waves of liquid love poured out in His Spirit, and I believe He's going to call His people back to biblical truth out of apostasy and out of uh, error. Thus saith the Lord will be the decree from heaven. Listen to my son. As he told uh, Peter when he was ready to build some tabernacles at the transfiguration, we need to be looking to heaven to see what God is going to do. And I'm going to press in. 
You know, I don't, I'll, I'll probably be in Wapaka when it happens, or maybe I'll be in heaven watching it from the balconies of heaven, but God's Spirit is going to pour out, and there's going to be wonders done. In the midst of His people, He will prove to this generation, to this world, that there is a God who is still alive and well. Before the great day of the coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church, I believe God is planting a spark in the souls and the minds and the hearts of people who are listening to him and pressing in. He's planting seeds of expectancy, dreams and visions about the future, about what could be, what is, but what could be, what's going to happen. It is, it is done by the greatness of God's grace and power towards us, the grace and mercy that works inside of us to accomplish more than what is humanly possible in the natural. And that's really our text. Ephesians chapter 3.20, Paul says this, Now to him who is able, he is able. Are you aware that God can do anything? Jeremiah found that out. God asked him a rhetorical question, Jeremiah, in the Old Testament. He said, is there anything too hard for me? And Jeremiah thought, no, Lord, there's nothing too hard for you. Absolutely nothing too hard for God. I don't care what it is. Now to him who is able to do what? Exceedingly, above, abundantly, above all, say all, that we ask or imagine. God gave you an imagination. Dream about the things of God. Dream about the things of God and ask the Spirit to give you dreams about what He is going to do according to the power that works in us, according to the power that is in us, the, that we have the Spirit of Christ in us, the hope of glory. That Spirit, the Word of God tells us now, dwells in your mortal body, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Are you aware that you can do exploits in the name of our Lord and our Savior? Are you aware that God has called you to be a conduit of His blessing and of His anointing to break bondages and to heal bodies and to touch lives? You can, you can in the power that is in you, He is able to do exceedingly above and uh, abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine according to the power that works in us. God's power, God's Spirit is working inside of you. So be optimistic about the future. Uh, sometimes that means you have to shut off the news, the cable news. Sometimes it means you have to stop listening to all the bad reports that are all around you. And I'm not recommending by any stretch that you bury your head in the sand like an ostrich because trouble is going to happen. It's all around us. But I'm telling you that when you hear of these things, get on your knees and cry out to God. Because God wants to use His church in an unprecedented way in these days beyond even what we read about in the book of Acts. I believe that the day is coming when the church will come alive, the remnant of God's people will move forward by the power of the Spirit of God and live within the Word of God and by the authority of Christ to make a difference, to win souls before the great day when the Lord returns. We as His children are children of an almighty God who've been redeemed by the blood of His cross, having the Spirit of Christ in us, the hope of glory, have every reason to be full of joy, full of hope, and being filled with great expectations for a future that is filled with the blessings and the favor of God for you, for your family, and for your church. Somebody say amen. So what does the verse say again now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine according to the power 
that works where? In us. In us. Christ is in us. And uh, we've seen God, I have certainly, exceed uh, my expectations before. And uh, as I said a few weeks ago, my imagination can run pretty big because my God is big. I think David, when he was out in the hills of Judea in the night by himself watching his father's sheep doing the grunt work at the least of his family, the youngest of his brothers, he's doing what they used to do and they're happy to be relieved of that duty. And he's out there with his shepherd's staff and his cloak wrapped around him in the coldest of the night. And hearing all the noise around him, the little sounds in the night that he can't see what it is, and possibly wild animals coming in to try to steal the sheep or even kill him. And you know what David did? He, he fell on the power and the mercy of God. And he held on to his faith and he became bold as a lion. And believe God for exceedingly above and beyond all he could ask or think that the power of God would work in him to do the job that needed to be done. And that's what God's going to do for us. When trouble comes and trouble is here, God's people should rise up as a remnant of his name and his authority and make a difference in your world, wherever you are. Whether it's at work, in a factory, an office, or whether it's in your neighborhood, wherever it's at, make a difference. Make a difference in your church. Apply for a volunteer to volunteer for something that God has laid on your heart, maybe given you a burden for, and just ask God, ask the leaders of the church, hey, where can I plug in? Where can I get to work? Plug into a Bible study because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Don't be a Sunday morning spectator sitting in the, in the chairs. We could say pews, but the chairs, whatever you're sitting on, get up. Rise up and walk in the name of the Lord. I'm speaking prophetically now to you. So he shared, you know, there's scriptures of uh, people who had great expectations despite their dire circumstances. We talked in Acts chapter 3 about the man who was lame, was laid daily at the beautiful gate of the temple, and Peter and John come walking by at the hour of prayer, and this man looks up to him expecting, say expecting, expecting to receive something from him, and he had in mind something that clinked in his cup if he had a tin cup, which I don't think he did, but that's what he had in mind, but Peter, being a poor preacher, Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I to thee in the name of Jesus the Christ, rise up and walk. And Peter, having a gift of faith imparted to him by the Holy Spirit, reached down with boldness, grabbed him up and pulled him up, and the man jumped up who had never walked before, leaped and jumped and walked, and he was praising God. Wouldn't you praise God too if that was you? Amen. So the second one I want to talk about, someone who has great expectations despite their dire circumstances, is the story of a man named Bartimaeus. Don't name your child Bartimaeus, okay? Bartimaeus is what you can call him Bart, but uh, Bartimaeus is an interesting character because Bartimaeus is a blind beggar like other blind beggars. Another um, parallel version of this story, there's two blind beggars, but Bartimaeus is featured here in the book of Mark chapter 10. And Bartimaeus, being a blind beggar, who was, when he heard that Jesus was passing by, you see, he was also begging for his living. And he heard a great commotion. It was like a parade, maybe hundreds, maybe thousand people all passing by. He had great expectations when he heard that it was Jesus. Why did he have great expectations? It's because he had heard about Jesus from the crowds. He'd heard about Jesus and all of the wonders that he was doing and the healings he was doing. 
He heard about how he healed lepers. He opened blind eyes. That he, uh, he opened ears that were deaf. He healed the lame. And he heard about Jesus. He heard about him. Where did he hear about him? From other people. Can I just tell you something in the 21st century, in this year, the day of our Lord, on this day, that you are the other people who should be telling other people about Jesus, about what he did? It's not just Bible times. It's time for you to start speaking up. And people, when they're in distress, when they're in trouble, when they're hurting, is to get up and do something is to be the church of Jesus Christ that God intended to speak the words of faith and even prophetic words into the atmosphere that will change the status quo of the culture of that person who is in dire circumstances. Bartimaeus was this blind beggar. He heard about Jesus. And what did that do? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. He heard about the Word of God. Maybe what Jesus was teaching, about what he was telling and teaching the crowds. Maybe he hadn't heard it himself, but he heard about it secondhand, maybe thirdhand, fourthhand. And Bartimaeus had this incredible, profound expectation of faith. He thought he had done it. Listen to this. He has done it for others. He'll do it for me. Does that make sense? God is, shows no favoritism. That's what the Word says. What He's done for others. He doesn't have favorites. You know, somebody says, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm God's favorite. But so are you. Okay? You're a favorite too. See, I, I, I remember reading in the Gospels, and in John's Gospel, he refers to himself as the one that Jesus loves. Right? Like I tell you that your pastor is, is the one who Jesus loves. But he loves you too. Amen. He's no, he doesn't show favoritism. I don't even know, I don't even think that's what John was even saying. I just, John was, has, had been gifted a life gift, a gift of mercy, compassion. That was John. Peter's a thundering prophet, you know, proclaiming judgment. And John was wired differently. He had a gift of mercy. And so, you know, how are you wired? It doesn't matter how you're wired. God will use you in the gift that he gave you when you were conceived in the womb. And as you develop, God raised you up for something special. Well, Bartimaeus, this blind beggar, hearing that Jesus had passed by, uh, he wanted to receive his sight. He, he thought he did it for others. He can do it for me. And, and uh, it tells us something very profound about God's nature and shed light on the type of faith, the level of faith and of prayer that is pleasing to God because this man had a spark. He had a seed. He had a seed of expectation and hope. And God is the God of all hope. So he had his, his seed planted in his heart. And what does the verse say in verse 46 of chapter 10 of Mark? It says, Then they reached Jericho, and Jesus and his disciples left town. A large crowd followed him. The blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and you know what he was told? My first point, <laughs> shut up. You're embarrassing yourself. You're making a fool of yourself. Why, why are you shouting like that? 
Why don't you just be quiet and blend into the background? You're not important to the work of God. You have nothing to do with following Jesus except hearing about Him. You're not important. Has anybody ever communicated that to you? If they did, can I tell you something? That it is not from God. You know, I'll tell you, in desperate situations, I'll yell and call out to God. I'll call out to Him in a loud voice. Last church I pastored in North Dakota, there was no windows in the worship center. The walls were like about this thick. And, uh, I mean, it was well insulated and it was quiet. And, and there was times I was in a desperate situation and I would go through that sanctuary as I, was, as I was praying and worshiping God and I would cry out, God, where are you? Have you ever done that? Yes. The Spirit of God, here I am. It wasn't too long I remember a prayer meeting like that and I was just desperate calling out to God in a loud voice and kind of looking at the back, make sure nobody walked into the, to the building so they could hear me and make a fool of myself. But, but you know, it, I remember it wasn't too long after one of those instances where I found myself kneeling in the front. We had chairs too, and I was kneeling at a chair after walking around for some time in desperation. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God just gushed. And I ended up just sobbing and weeping at the altar of that chair. The Spirit of God who is saying, here I am. I've never left you. Never, fors- never have forsaken you. If I tell you, all the Bartimaeuses of the world, God hasn't left them. He hasn't abandoned them. He hasn't forgotten them. He hears every cry, hears every prayer, dries every tear, sees every tear that falls and wants to dry those tears. But uh, Bartimaeus was told to shut up. There's a bunch of religious people who want you to be quiet. Don't rock the boat. Don't talk about sin. You have no right to judge me, but proclaim the word of God anyway. Tell the truth in love. Be redemptive in your nature and in your goals. But they said, be quiet. And it wasn't just a few. It was many people yelled at him. They were yelling too, shut up. Shut up. You're going to give our church a bad name. They're going to think we're some of those holy rollers. I told some people at our uh, evangelical pastors meeting uh, last Thursday that, hey, I'm, I, I'm never ashamed to roll like an old holy roller as long as the floor is clean and we have good janitors at our church. If, if God's in it. Somebody say amen. Amen. <clears throat> But have you ever noticed, question, have you ever noticed that in this world and in the church world that we live in, even crossing denominational lines, that there is a world that is full of dream killers? People who love to get wet blankets and try to put out the fire that is inside of you. These people uh, who, when someone is given a spark of a God dream and they share with faith what they believe God has shown them and God has given them a reason after reason, They tell you why your expectations are unreasonable, improbable, and impossible. But I remember the Word of God. It's good to know the Word of God. It's good to read the Word of God. It's good to memorize the Word of God. It's good to study the Word of God. It's good to believe in the Word of God. Because I remember a young man named Joseph who had dreams that he had shared with his brothers, with his 11 brothers. 
And he shared these dreams, and he even shared them the second dream he had with his father about what God was going to do in and through him. Joseph maybe didn't have a lot of wisdom at the age of 17. Most of us didn't at the age of 17. Some don't have sense at 40. But his father even, and they rebuked him and put him in his place. They hated him for it, his brothers did. How dare you say that we'll be bowing down to you? Bartimaeus was a blind beggar. And who liked the lame man who begged at the temple gate called Beautiful, who was carried to the same place every day to do the same thing every day with the same results every day. His life also was one of monotony. It was boringly predictable with little to no deviation. He was dependent upon the benevolence of the crowds who would pass by his place of begging for coins to survive, just to make a living, just to have food to eat. But this, like the layman at the temple, unbeknownst to him, was about to change. Why was it about to change? It was because of faith that because of this man called Jesus the Christ, whom he had heard so much about, was passing by. This was really what we can call, just like the appointment, a God appointment, just like the one at the temple gate, beautiful, this was a divine appointment as well, set up by God for his miracle. In his spark of expectancy, Bartimaeus believed that this was his moment for a miracle. Others have had theirs, I want mine. After all, what Jesus had done for others, he could do for me. And so he was given, and I believe from the Holy Spirit, a supernatural gift of faith, imparted to him by the Spirit of God that he didn't know. But aren't you glad that the Spirit of God imparts things to people who don't know Him or understand His Word because of His love drawing them to Himself? His supernatural gift of faith in His heart and mind, I don't know what it looked like in His heart and mind, but I could imagine in mine is that the status quo is about to change in my direction. That all these years of disappointment and hurt and rejection is going to change. And maybe you're in a situation today where your status quo is not looking up and it doesn't seem to be in your favor. But when you serve the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God is in you, the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead. He can impart to you a spark of faith that to believe that things are this way today, but they're going to be better tomorrow. And my friend, when this happens, nobody can shut you up. It's going to be like Jeremiah who said, I have fire shut up my bones when I didn't want to speak the word of God. I didn't want to proclaim God's truth. I didn't want to prophesy for him. I'm frustrated. I'm downhearted. I'm, I'm, my faith is low. But he said, when I tried to shut up, it was like fire shut up in my bones. I had to speak the word of God. And my prayer for you is that you will be like that, that the word of God will be like fire shut up in your bones. And so when this blind Bartimaeus, when he cried out, even louder when people told him to shut up. Shut up. Now, he didn't retaliate and tell them to shut up. He kept crying out all the louder. The second point is Jesus heard his cries. And I I love that. Because can I tell you something? Jesus hears your cries. He, he, he hears you in a moment. I remember uh, back in the late 90s, 
was in management, and I was heading out really early in the morning. It was still dark, and I'm crossing the uh, viaducts going over I-35, going north to St. Joseph, Missouri, uh, to train a, a new salesman. And I was leaving really early, and I was wide awake. I was fine, but coming up there, I saw the service road on the other side, the outer road, coming from some apartments and other housing. And I saw this truck pull up to the stoplight, and I slowed down, because 45 was the speed limit going over that, and I slowed down thinking, um, I want to make sure he stops. Well, he stopped. So I went ahead and pressed the gas, and, and uh, just like that, he took off, and he, I could see him coming. He's going to hit me broadside. And I'm thinking instantly, just like this, is, Lord, I'm coming home. Because I thought that little Nissan Sentra, little tin can, got good gas mileage, though. And this car is going to hit me broadside, and I'm going to die. I just, you know, I just said, Lord, I'm coming. That's all I had a chance to even think about. Didn't even have a chance to put my foot on the brake. And, man, he hit me, and I was just rocking and rocking. And, and uh, all of a sudden, I thought it stopped, and I thought, I'm still alive. Hey, just like that, God shows up. And it felt like, instead of being jostled about, I felt like I was in a bubble. And I was just, didn't get hurt, didn't have any soreness, no stiffness. And I got hit hard. That car was totaled. But that's what God does. He shows up. Okay? He shows up. He hears our cries. Even though it was just up here, Lord, I'm going to die. He heard my cry. And Jesus heard blind Bartimaeus. And when he heard him, he stopped. Over the noise of the crowds passing by, Bartimaeus must have had a really strong voice because he was yelling louder and louder. And he stopped and he said, uh, who's that yelling? Tell him to come here. Tell him to come here. Now, I don't, I don't know about you. Some people might say, well, that wasn't very nice of Jesus. After all, this guy was blind. Jesus should have gone over to him. But I tell you that when you are disabled in your faith, you need to get up as an act of faith and walk to the altar and, and be with Jesus. Do something that activates your faith as a point of just activating your faith. Get up and go. If all you can get up is crawl to the altar, crawl. But this, this blind Bartimaeus, you know, what do you do? They said, said, you know, you bring him to me. And so they called him, they called the blind man, and they said, you know, cheer up, cheer up. Now they're not yelling at him. It's like, oh, cheer up. And they said, come on, he's calling you. Jesus is calling you. Can I tell you, Jesus is calling you? He's calling you. He is always speaking to his church, and you are his church. He speaks to you. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. What is it, seven times in Revelation? Open up your ears and you can hear the voice of God. Come to me, Jesus said. And Bartimaeus showed that he believed in Jesus' goodness and deference to the poor and to the needy. Bartimaeus believed that Jesus was not like any of the other religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, who believed, this is what they believed the theology of the day, is that an individual who was disabled, uh, especially from birth, uh, but is disabled, has a terrible thing come upon them, like poverty or blindness or bad circumstances, were a result of that person's sin and God. God is judging you. 
That theology was demonic back then, and it's just as demonic today. Bartimaeus appealed to Jesus according to the revelation of God's character. You have to hand it to the guy. He knew enough about God's character that he believed that God was good. I remember Oral Roberts, that was his famous saying. And you know, a lot of things I thought, well, I don't care much about this. But the one thing I loved is he would always say, God is a good God. Can I tell you, God is a good God. Psalms 34, 17 through 18 says this. The Lord, now there's four things I want you to take note of here. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He hears you when you call for help, number one. Number two, he rescues them from all their troubles. Not some, but all of their troubles. Number three, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. If your heart is broke, God is with you. You're never alone. And number four, he rescued those whose spirits are crushed. And maybe if you've lived very long, you probably are representative in one of those four things. And when you serve the Lord Jesus Christ, you, like me, have the experience of looking back and knowing that these things depict the character of God that is, that is manifest in every person's life when you go through one of those things. So tell Jesus what your dreams and expectations are. Uh, can I tell you, no matter how outrageous or impossible they seem, some people will put you down for them or they'll walk away agreeing with you and while they're walking away they roll their eyes and they can, what a nut. Nothing shall be impossible to the Lord. Mark 10, 52 says this, 51 and 50, well, 10, 51, I'm sorry. Uh, what do you want me to do for you, Jesus said. Jesus asked the question. I remember God asked a young man, a young king named Solomon, what do, you want to, what do you want to do? What do you want me to do for you? God was going to give him great riches if he wanted. He was going to give him his heart's desire because God was so pleased with Solomon's life. And Solomon asked for wisdom. What did Bartimaeus ask for? He said, I want my, I want my sight back. I want to see. And Jesus exceeded his expectations, point number three. Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, say instantly. The man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. He followed him down the road. Now, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back as I'm finishing up here, but expectations were exceeded because Bartimaeus demonstrated extraordinary faith. Mark 10:50 says, Bartimaeus when he got up to go be with Jesus, when he was bringing him to Jesus, he, he took the time to take his coat off and he threw it down on the ground and walked away from it. So what is the significance of the blind Bartimaeus' coat? When the blind beggar Bartimaeus heard Jesus say, come, the first thing he did was throw off his coat. And this was significant because some of the commentators of this passage of Scripture say that people who had a legitimate disability in those days, they were given an official coat from the government that gave them the legal right to beg. The coat was a symbol of his disability. 
And so when they called him to Jesus, he threw aside his coat that represented his disability, his lack, his current situation, his status quo, and he left it on the ground and was confident that he would never have to wear that beggar's coat again. Bartimaeus' life would be forever changed because of the great expectation for healing was uh, going to become a reality. And where did that spark of faith come from? It came from the Spirit of God. For a divine appointment when Jesus would be passing by. I'm going to ask you a question. How many times are we still wearing a beggar's coat of sorts? Is that when we have a situation in our life, it's like we just melt and blend into the situation instead of believing God that he's going to pull us out of that situation, that he's going to be the hand or raise up somebody who with a gift of faith like Peter is going to reach down and pull us up from our lameness, that he's going to touch us and speak the word over us, that our blindness is going to be opened up, our eyes are going to see again, that our ears are going to be opening up so that we can hear, our leprosy is going to suddenly disappear, that's been there taking our life and marginalizing our existence and our quality of life, before you're going to get well, you have to stop being the victim. There's a lot of victims in, in the culture, in society, people who have more to say about their situation than about a change that could take place. And the sad thing is there's a lot of victims in the body of Christ and in churches across the world. People who talk more and fellowship more about their problems than they do about the problem solver. They talk about how we, I can't get a miracle instead of talking about the miracle worker. There's nothing wrong with going to a doctor because I think that's a gift from God, the medical science and the things that they have been able to, uh, to develop and discover are gifts from God, but some people talk more about going to their doctor instead of going to the great physician. Amen. You know, doctors can, can help facilitate a healing, but only God can heal. God is the one who will heal your body. Sometimes without medical science, but sometimes along with it. But we need to turn our eyes. What did we sing last week, Amy? Turn your eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes off your problem. Call on the name of the Lord. When people tell you to shut up, that doesn't happen today. <laughs> Yell louder. Because there is a Christ who's not just the Christ of yesterday, but the book of Hebrews says that Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. An ever-present help in a time of need. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name. We thank you for the word of God and for, Lord, all that it teaches us. Lord, the spark of faith that comes from believing your word, from believing that you're still the same as you were yesterday, that miracles can happen, situations that are dire and dreadful can suddenly change to being wonderful and incredible. That God, our hope and our faith is in you. We choose, like the psalmist, to say, I will look unto the hills whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. Lord, will be like David of old, Lord, when he was discouraged and defeated. Lord, he cried till he could cry no more, but then he began to encourage himself in the Lord, and he rose up and conquered. 
and took back what the enemy stole from him. God, give us that kind of faith. Put a spark in our soul, in our spirit, Lord. Lord, give us visions and dreams, Lord God, that are seeds from the Holy Spirit that will tell us what you want to do and how you want to use us in what you're doing in this day. Lord God, help us to press in. And Lord, not be a spectator, but to get on the field and to, 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 to play the game, to fight the fight, to make a difference. Father, pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.